Well, 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 we have a celebrity in our <laughs> midst here now, finally. Oh, no, uh, no. The voice, a, a vocal celebrity at that, Mr. Voice Actor Mark Hespin. The voice, for those of uh, most of you listeners uh, yeah. already know this, but our, if you didn't, Mark. Our true fans of the football lounge. <laughs> that's right. The, the true fans know this, but Mark got the uh, the great privilege and uh, honor to be the voice of the kick of destiny that you all saw during the Super Bowl third quarter live Super Bowl ad, the first ever live one, Mark. Yeah. Uh, what an experience that had to be. I, I'm I'm curious just uh, uh, what your thoughts were on how everything went and uh, just what that whole you know trip was like because you were out there for a full week. Yeah, it was. Well, it was live. Uh, people saying it wasn't live. It was very live. My near heart attack uh, when they said 10 seconds to, you know, they got the count of my ear from the Fox truck. Uh, it, it was uh, it was very very live. Um. Yeah, we, you know, Dan, we we talked a little bit about this last week. I, you know, I I didn't want to, couldn't really share the news I was doing this project mainly because it was just uh, it's such a big thing, and I wanted to just get through it and see how it went. And then it's like, you know, well now we got to talk about it because uh, because it's out there. It was incredible. I got out there Tuesday of Super Bowl week. They flew me on out there, and I um and i uh i uh was there i had rehearsals all day wednesday all day thursday all day friday saturday and off day which was really funny because uh you know i'm not used to being on a big commercial set all the time in this giant production sure. and i was like why is there an off day on uh on tuesday and uh one of the uh people at the production go oh well that's gronk's beach party day gronk hosts uh his big beach party, annual beach party. So yeah, he's unavailable all Saturday. So everyone's got the day off. I was like, well, that's actually really nice because I actually wouldn't have gotten to do really anything in Phoenix and the area if I didn't have that day off. So thank you to Gronk's beach party. I did not go to the beach party. Uh, I didn't get the invite um, and uh, didn't buy tickets, but I did. I did a ton of other things on Saturday in the Phoenix area and then live on Sunday. Um, you know, I guess the, the biggest question is everyone asked me is like, how did this happen? How did Mark Hespin find get this opportunity? And it was a, a national casting search that I got um, forwarded to me from uh, connections from in Chicago. If you, if you know my background, I, I have a degree actually in acting and I worked professionally in Chicago as an actor and a comedy with second city for a while before getting into radio and everything. So it, it kind of trickled down to me. And I think the reason it trickled down to me was because there was just so many people who are just like, I, I don't, I don't know who they're looking for. They're looking for this. It's a weird mix. You need someone who can be live, which I do every day in my radio show. You need someone who can, who understands football, who can like call a kick, right. Who like understands how it's supposed to sound, how it's supposed to feel. Well, I've done a very little amount of play by play, but I've, you know, listened to a lot of play by play. And then someone who can, you know, kind of take notes like all day Wednesday and Thursday and Friday on set. I'm with the director. We're tweaking little things. Hey, maybe let's uh, add a word or, you know, get rid of a word. If you've seen the commercial now, the kick of destiny, there's a couple lines in there that I actually got to add myself from like Wednesday that were changed to then made it into the final, final script to make Heck it yeah. flow better and everything. So it was a really cool, uh, you know, you know, product production in that way. So they were looking for this, unique voice and i submitted a, a a tape and got chosen and um uh yeah they took care of everything they flew me out there uh and put me up in a hotel in 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 what literally was the busiest city in the world because not only was it the super bowl 
the waste management was going on as well in, in oh, the Phoenix right. area. They even think about so that. So it was insane. I mean, everyone who's anyone was there. Um, and so uh, and so all set all day. They built this beautiful set, FanDuel, in the desert just west of the stadium in the mountains. And it was incredible. The actual turf field with an actual NFL field goal post. Um, it was such a gigantic production. All of the camera operators were people who like had just worked on like guardians of the galaxy movies or black Panther movies. I mean, the, this was like full on fully funded, incredible production. If they were, you know, they, they decided, Hey, if we're doing the first ever live Super Bowl commercial, we're going to spare no expense. So go get Mark. For sure. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I was going to say you are like uniquely qualified because, you know, to your point about trying to go through an agency to see who they have, a lot of actors are don't necessarily have the overlap. Into sports very much well you kind of had both backgrounds right and like an understanding of how to present uh, a sporting event most of them probably don't have that so yeah i mean you can find your way kind of poking out from that crowd they they definitely like you know they could have just i mean realistically just hired like a play-by-play person like i mean someone like that's what you were kind of looking for but they on the other aspect of it it's um, they're used to being live, but then it's also, there's like the read to it. Right. And there's a little bit of the acting. Like I was working with the director, like getting notes and we we're, you know, tell me, oh, let's try this. And I was like, Hey, can we try it this way? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was a very kind of crazy, but it, it, that it worked out in that way. And, um, uh, it was an ama- amazing project to be a part of, like I said, they spared no expense. I got treated so well, probably better than I deserved, you know? Uh, you know, the, I'll, I'll just say, get, you get exposed how the other half lives with like the, <laughs> the crab catering. Cakes. Yeah. I think the, the catering, go. they, free, you know, put you over the hotel and they driving you everywhere. Like you get exposed to that. You're like, this is a good life. Yeah. You definitely yeah. could be fun to be a part of. And I will say that everyone of course asked me like, well, what about Gronk and, and, and how was that? Well, one of the things I thought was really cool is that the crew, if you now have seen it, there was like teaser commercials, like two or three of them leading up to the live commercial, right? Yep. Well, it was the same director and same cameraman and same crew for all of that. So they saw the project all the way through. So I was a late addition in that way. And that was great because they already knew how to work together. They knew the vision they were going for. Uh, and then just adding me in and for the live broadcast. Um, Gronk was on set for a small time on Thursday. Got to meet him on Thursday. He got to do some practice kicks and he was nailing the practice kicks. He looked really good. Um, and, but the weather was perfect on Thursday. And, um, and then for all day Friday, I, I, that's when they moved me into like the Fox broadcast booth. And then, you know, I'm hearing the director in my ear and the producers giving you the countdown and doing all that stuff, practicing, looking at the different camera angles, seeing how they, you know, live television, I don't know live TV. So you know what that's like to, all right, put the graphic up and do this. And you're live in five. Like it's a um, lot of cues happening. Yes. In, in it's a short crazy. Of time for and sure. I'm not used to that. You know, I'm live on the radio, but I'm only hearing my co-host and whatever I'm hearing is what the audience is hearing. We're not hearing anything special. There's no voice in my ear producer in that way. Um, 
So really, really fascinating in that in that sense. And then on the actual day of the of the commercial, getting to hear the behind the scenes and like the Fox, you know, I got to watch the Super Bowl from like the, you know the Fox broadcast truck, and also like got to watch part of the second quarter with Gronk and his family's all there and Vinatieri's there and they were talking sure. and looking at some stuff and when the Eagles were up early, you know, Gronk picked the Eagles, so he's like, oh, they're deep, you know that offensive line is. They're just so good. They're mauling, controlling the line of, you know, time of possession. And so to, I mean, it was a dream. It was just a, it was crazy. Um, I will be honest. I did not watch like any of the third quarter live because we had to be, as soon as Rihanna was like uh, done, it was like, all right, positions, positions, you're waiting because we knew that we were going to be in the first commercial break of the third quarter. And you don't and, know how oh, quickly that'll come in the third quarter, you don't right? Know. Yeah. Like you, yeah. You, you, the, they could take a timeout after play one and it's like go to commercial. There could be an injury. Just so happened the Chiefs went on that long touchdown drive. So I was catching like parts of that uh, from the broadcast. And then they were like, all of a sudden, it was like Chiefs score. And then all of a sudden, it's like you start hearing like, all right, live in 90, live in, you know, live in 60 seconds. And, you know, they're counting you down and everything. It was exhilarating. It was amazing. The whole FanDuel team and everyone, they were just terrific. Um, you know, and we were prepared for everything. We rehearsed makes. We rehearsed misses. But if you can see it if you watch the commercial. The flags at the top of the post. I mean, they are just yeah. howling. I was in a soundproof truck, Fox broadcast truck, and I could hear and feel the wind. I mean, it was Around, we woke up that morning and on my way, got in a set and it was a beautiful morning, sunny, a light little breeze. We're like, oh, this could be easy. He's going to nail this. And Gronk was nailing him in practice. And then it was so freaking windy, man. It was insane. The gusts were blowing. The dust is flying. You could see it in the girl's hair, Gronk's family, as they're watching the kick. Now, Gronk got a couple practices in the wind and he was like 50-50. Vinatieri was there helping him like, like seriously helping him like aim this way. There was a great, um, a great, great. Uh, so all the practice work. So I'm, if I'm on set Wednesday and Friday and, and Thursday, uh, when Gronk was only there for a short time, this guy named Justin Skinner, he's a sports and uh, a stunt and sports co uh, coordinator. Um, he was there with me doing the practice. He's a former college kicker for the Citadel. He actually was drafted by okay. Andy Reid, the Eagles, and kicked like in some preseason stuff and practice squad kicker stuff. He he did all the kicking for like the longest yard with Michael Irving and um, Adam Sandler. So he sure he was hired throughout this process to do like you know they would tell him all right uh, Justin do like a near make and he could just you know barely squeeze it in do a near miss barely miss it he was terrific. So I got to hung, hang out with him a ton and he was helping me like, Hey, you know, the kicks going this way. You can definitely see that it's going to be good or not. Now, he was there helping Gronk and Adam Vinatieri. So and all these people, but the win, there was just, it was going to be a miracle if he made it in that win. It would be the greatest, like one of the greatest kicks ever, a 25 yarder in that win. <laughs> right. I'm telling you, yeah, he barely missed it. And that's all the controversy, right? People are saying he made it. He made it. We had two referees We had Adam Vinatieri. We had Justin Skinner. We had another couple spotters. He missed it. He missed doinking it by like an inch, which would have been electric if he doinked. Yeah, it. I suggest people go and and check the FanDuel Twitter because they they had you know someone 
uh, tape it on Another their phone angle. from the sidelines, and you can see that he misses it. He does. It's incredible because it was just. Of course, it had to be so close to where yeah. it brought the conspiracy theorists out I or know. something like that, because, uh, you know, you would have almost just hoped that it was just a clear miss so that people like yeah. got the point. But yeah, I mean, great effort. He just barely missed it. And then he posted like, a, you know, an apology video and then they yeah. panned up right up to the uh, flags and you could, you could see, see it, it flapping like crazy. So, yeah, he I mean, was, that that was windy for sure. I will just say that if it was a 24 yarder, it would have it would have doinked and probably been no good. If it was a 23 yard field goal, it would have been good. Um, it, you know, it was just happened as 25 in that wind. It was crazy. So, and that's also, it's funny. Like I knew, and we all knew on set, there's going to be a million people saying stuff like it's fake. Right. Uh, it's not live. Like you just know, because it's the internet, right? Like we all, we live on the internet. We know it's just how the game works. I just thought it was funny how people would be like, it's CGI. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, we would, Fando would purposely CGI a miss for some reason. You know what I mean? In the biggest right. game, like it was, it, it was, uh, it was just crazy in that way. Well, that's, uh, but no, I, I'd I, like to address that point real quick because it, it does seem that people can't understand that it was meant to look cinematic. A lot of people are like, yes. that didn't look like a live broadcast. That was the point. Yeah, the they point hired- was that, and, and maybe, maybe FanDuel could have maybe done a better job uh, in the days leading up marketing the fact that it was supposed to be a live ad versus a live, live broadcast. I think yeah. people were expecting it to be more like watching the Super Bowl, but that was what made it cool was that this is a commercial still, and yeah. that's why we work in a time constraint and we have the production cameras, and that's probably why they built a, a separate set no, so Fan- that they could control and practice. So Vandal did yeah. such a great job, and they did such an incredible job hiring such talented people that literally it almost was a detriment to them because people were like, "That's not real." Because it looked right. so it looked good. that good. It looked it that really good. did. Yeah. Um, but it and yeah, and I think again that was one of the cool things about being on set, being around all those people, everyone from just the the drivers of the production team all the way up through the advertising agency people, they were all so good, so talented, so uh, committed to the project. And Gronk was so committed. I mean, Gronk is like the busiest dude in sports media, right? He's got the pregame show. He had a police escort out to, you know, to from the stadium to the set, because that's how near it was like the timing for all this to happen. And yet after the kick, and I got to talk to Gronk a little bit more on Sunday and hang out and watch a little bit of the game with him. But then, um, uh, to actually for him to stay there and Adam Vinatieri, same thing to take pictures with everyone on crew, shake hands with everyone on crew. He kept saying, he's like, I want the redemption kick next year, the redemption kick. And I was just like, yes, like we got to bring it back at, live on like the Vegas strip. You know what I mean? With a crowd right. of people because it's in Vegas oh, next year or something. So, so cool. I think FanDuel changed the game. I mean, this is the first ever live Super Bowl commercial. I don't think this will be the first ever live, like the only live commercial. I think this is, especially with the sports betting market and the the way we we love like live events. This was a live event, um, and it was was incredible to be a part of. I will say, um, people ask me like, "Were you nervous?" I was really nervous Wednesday showing up to set for the first time because I had no idea what to expect. Right. Yeah. I knew vague details. I didn't have a script at that point in time yet. I thought maybe it still could just be all like, all right, Mark, just 
call it. Like, you know what I mean? And it's right. like, um, and so, but by like Wednesday, by the middle of the day, at like lunch break, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be great. Like there's so many talented people here. They're not going to let me fail. Um, and then the Sunday, I wasn't really nervous. I mean, uh, shout out to my wife. She was incredible. She, she, uh, was dealing with me the whole time and like, you know, giving me the confidence and helping me make sure I was in the right headspace. I was able to talk to her about everything. She, um, came out to Phoenix and surprised me, you know, with this kind of trip, but she came out too and was there. So we got to go out to like dinner Thursday night and like, after like, you know, meeting Gronk and doing all this stuff to be able to talk with her and like have a drink and a meal. And, uh, and then on Saturday on our off day, we got to explore the city together. It was amazing. Uh, That's she awesome. was, she was great just to have her there to like distract me and like, Hey, let's go to have a see the NFL stuff and let's have some fun doing this as opposed to just like, Oh, you know, dreading this, you know, this big moment of being live in front of, you know, the hundred something, you know, 200 million people worldwide or whatever it was uh, that watched the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was incredible. It was an amazing experience. I'll, I'll never forget it. Hopefully, uh, knocking all the wood, I get to do more cool stuff like this and, um, and, uh, and be a part of more events and working with great people like FanDuel. I'd, I'd love to do more of it in the future. Uh, but if this is the peak of my, existence was getting to voice the first ever live Super Bowl commercial. You'll take, I it. think it's a pretty, pretty cool peak if it's the peak. Um, and so, uh, it, and, and I'll just say this, like we talked about it. Cause I was, I was giving you the details, you know, before. And I was like, it's just, it's the Super Bowl. And, you know, I didn't know if I was going to be in the stadium or where, but I will just say this. If you ever, ever have the chance to go to a Super Bowl city, like the week of, like, if you're a fan of the team, if I was a Chiefs fan, or an Eagles fan. And even if I didn't have tickets, just being there and going to the watch parties, it's just so cool. I mean, everyone yeah. seeing the, all, there was for every Chiefs fan, there was a Philly fan. It was like 50, 50 and they were everywhere. And so you knew there was way more people there than actually, actually going to the game. And they were taking advantage of it because there was, you know, unique swag. You could buy photo opportunities, all these different watch parties. Um, it would just be, it made me think to myself, even if I couldn't get into the game, if I was, you know, if it was the bears that made it like, Oh, I just want to go enjoy the activities. I also get now why sports writers get all like butt hurt when like, Oh, it's in Minnesota this year. Kind of like, you know, it's like, no, what do you mean? It's, it's cool. It's a new stadium. It's amazing. Oh no. Phoenix was awesome. The weather was great. Yeah. You have all the different fan experience stuff. You can do the restaurants walking around, I get why you want to be in warm weather cities uh, and you want that experience because it really was uh, Phoenix shine. And I'd never been to Phoenix. I, I'm lucky. I've been to ma most every major American city. Uh, Phoenix had not been one of them. So getting to go to Phoenix and just see it and experience it as well and, and, and Scottsdale, it was awesome. Well, it's so cool that you got to do it. I mean, we were all rooting for you. A lot of us, uh, you know, uh, back home and uh and friends and family across the country were rooting for you you did a great job it was awesome it sounded great looked great um so that that's really cool also um i mean you could have two takeaways from it you could say wow gronk is so tall because you're six five and you took a picture next to him <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he's taller than you um but then you could also be like damn like for people who don't know you in person be like wow mark's mark's really really tall because i saw that picture <laughs> where you're standing next to each other 
<laughs> like, damn, you were like looking at him uh, basically right in the eyes. Basically, Gronk is a full, I mean, in in his cleats. I mean, he's in the photo in the cleats, too. Like, I mean, in the cleats, it, it's no wonder he's unguardable. The dude is in the cleats easily 6'7". Yeah. And his yeah. arms, I'll tell you what, like his wingspan was probably like close to seven feet. He's got these gigantic paws and these huge arms. And um, it did. Like, I mean, he, I certainly like, I'm never usually around people who make me feel uh, tiny, smaller, but he was huge. I mean, he was just massive, a massive human being. And he really is like a down to earth guy. Like one of the moments I was with him watching the game, uh, it was like, right. Uh, like right as halftime was about to start. And he was, we were watching like Howie and Terry and all of them kind of talking about first half. It was just me and Gronk. And he was like, um, he was like, Oh, there's my crew, my guys. And, uh, and I was like, I was like, yeah, it's just, you know, incredible. I bet for you to be like a part of like the Fox, you know, broadcast team. He's, and he's like, yeah, it's awesome. He's like, he's like, but this, like being here and he's looking around, like, he's like, this is way cooler. He's like, I'm so glad I'm here. Like he was genuine, like about, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm getting a paycheck to kick a field goal, whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like he really he absorbed got the it. moment. Really, yeah, yeah. He really loved it. And he's, you know, uh, and, uh, and I did say, like, on Thursday, he came out in the pads to the kick. My inter my first interaction with him, I get to meet him. I said, it's like, Gronk, it's, well, it's just good to see you back in uniform. You know what I mean? Like, suited <laughs> yeah. up. And he joked. He's like, man, it feels good to be in uniform. And I and I was like, oh, I just love I just love it, man. You're, you know, you're just one of the, you're all you're one of the all time greats. And he kind of looked. He's like, I bet there's gonna be a lot of people who who like seeing me in uniform again, you know, kind of teasing yeah, yeah. that Willie, you know, the retirement, unretired, retired. I will say though, he got the vibe from him and uh, his family. He's living the good life being retired. I don't think Bronx ever coming back, especially yeah. with, especially with Tom now officially being retired. Um, he is, I think he'll settle for more beach parties and uh, a yeah, kick here he, and there. He lives then, a good, uh, good life uh, with the sure. Fox crew. He's a total good dude. And Adam Vinatieri, a total awesome, nice guy as well. Um, and you can just watching him like talk about the kicking and like seeing it, getting to be close to that. That was also just really just amazing because Vinatieri is, he's the go, you know what I mean? He's the, in oh, the yeah. big pressure moments, um, Justin, the, you know, the standing kicker who is, you know, a college kicker and kick for little in the NFL. He was saying he's, he was like, he's like, you know, yeah, Justin Tucker is maybe the most. He's kind of like it's the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady debate. Justin Tucker's like the most talented, maybe kicker ever. But he's like Adam Vinatieri in the biggest moments always delivered big kicks. You know, in the the longevity right. of the career, he's you know the goat, the Tom Brady uh, of of kicking, and it it was um it was just incredible to be a part of. I'll keep That's saying a, it, but it was. Cool moment, cool event. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Hopefully, this is a, a recurring thing. That'd be great if they want to run it back next year and the years down the road for sure. And it was an that all-time was great awesome. game. I mean, we'll talk about the game here. It now. was. It was. It yeah. was. I've I've now since gone back and watched the third quarter fully. So I've seen, I've seen it all. And um, and I I'll just say you know we're about to start previewing you know kind of talking about recapping the game. Um, a lot of people want to talk about the ending being kind of a dud. Um, but I think in the end, I, I'm what I take away from that game was not the way it ended, but just how back and forth, back and forth. You called it being more high scoring than I did. I had 
I had, you know, the Chiefs winning on a field goal late, uh, but I thought it was going to be lower scoring. I just thought those defenses would both show up more. And Philly fans, is, I'll say this, it's it's Tuesday, but Philly fans should still be angry about their defense, not the Bradbury holding 100%. Call. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah, so the, that'll springboard us into our uh, Super Bowl recap uh, here on the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan. But first, a couple, uh, you know, notes that have just come down today on a Tuesday uh, both of those Eagles uh, coordinators have now yeah. uh, got new jobs. Uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, I'm probably going to butcher the last name. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Shane uh, Steichen as their head coach uh, for uh, the Colts now. So uh, he goes from Eagles offensive coordinator to Colts head coach. And then the Eagles defensive coordinator uh, also getting hired this by the Arizona Cardinals to be their head coach. Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator, now going to be the head coach the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, maybe he's just going to stay in Phoenix. Who knows? I, I don't know. Or Glendale, I guess too. But um, uh, the Raiders also kind of some big news, Mark, not totally unexpected have yeah. officially uh, released quarterback Derek Carr. This is to save the $40 million guaranteed that he was uh, owed by the certain date. And uh, obviously Carr was, uh, you know, using any and all leverage he had he was not going to waive his no trade clause because he wanted to pick his destination. He now gets all of the freedom in the world to do so in free agency. And as many have pointed out, uh, the team that does get him doesn't have to give up draft capital, which if you're the quarterback being acquired, you don't want to be acquired for a team that had to unload assets to get you. They will still have their assets uh, intact and able to build a team around him. So, yeah, it's a, it's open season now for Derek Carr and company. I'll start with the coaching hires um, for the Colts getting Steichen. I think that's how you pronounce it. S-T-E-I-C-H-E-N. Steichen. We're going with that for now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'll just say this. You don't know how much is Sirianni versus, you know, when you have an offensive coach and then the offensive coordinator gets hired. Right. But he, the Eagles offense was terrific. And he's been, you know, he had an incredible year. I love this hire as a Bears fan because now you're like, ooh, offensive coach. Colts, they're going to want to get him his guy at quarterback, right? You want to mar up, you want to pair up Good the point. Col- coach, point. like, and they're sitting there four. So it's like, hey, if he's got a preference, and I want Bryce Young to be kind of mobile, run this kind of new Jalen Hurts type offense, not run the football the way Hurts does, but spread him out, mobile guy, uh, or maybe it's Levis, like a big. Yeah, I was going to say it could be a Levis, CJ Stroud, like go trade up that number one pick, call the Bears. So I love that. For the Cardinals, Gannon, the defensive coach, you know, you got to be a little nervous. That defense did not play well for Philly, and they're way more talented defense than what Arizona's got. Um, but I think overall, what you look at that hire is, as you say, is that we need to come back down to earth as a Cardinals organization of Kyler Murray um, not just getting his way, or but also saying, hey, I'm a defensive coach. We need to bring someone in here and like collaborate with Kyler in a different way as opposed to just Cliff Kingsbury telling Kyler this is how it's going to be. Um, and so, you know, hopefully he's a guy that can bring a culture because Arizona seems like it just needs a culture, right? It sure. needs a it needs a a strong, strong culture. You know, I, I think we both thought Brian Flores would have been the right hire, but I think a lot of people were turning down that job, and I don't blame them. Uh, I don't blame them at all. So we'll see how that that goes. I think all the vacancies are now filled, right? I believe so. 
Uh, the Houston the Texans, right? Is uh, no, D'Amico Ryan's. Oh yeah, D'Amico. Which course. I love D'Amico. that hire yeah, for yeah. them yeah. because he was a great player for them. JJ Watts said on an interview with Pardon My Take last week, like a lot of people are pumped about D'Amico being in Houston, and I think that's great. And he got a yeah. long term deal. Uh, but then for Derek Carr, the Raiders. This it just goes to show if you're a Raiders fan, you got to just be like, our organization is so stupid. You could have trade if you knew this is where it was going to go. And you knew that Josh McDaniels in the end wanted to, and maybe they didn't, maybe they wanted to give it a full year with McDaniels and Carr and see how it went. But if you would have known even by like mid season, like trade Derek Carr and find him, make it, you have to make Derek Carr seem like, all right, well then we're going to, we're going to pick up your option. You're going to be stuck well, with mean, us. And you're certainly not, you're certainly not benching him and destroying any leverage you had in, yeah. in, in any trade discussions. You keep him as the start. You say, we're keeping him as a starter but we're going to shop him here late in the end of the season and see who has some interest because the, the second they benched him, everyone knew, you know, I know. And, and, and that, it just goes to show you it's, they're such a bad franchise because they screwed themselves. They, he, they, he called their bluff. They were, you're not picking up the option. You cannot pay me 40 guaranteed. You don't have the money and you don't want to do it. And so good for Derek Carr for just holding tight because if you would have said, all right, fine, trade me to the saints or trade me to the Panthers, they would have had to give up something and why would you hinder your new team and where you're going? So smart moves by Derek and his team to be like, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to screw the new team we're going to. Uh, it's a little bit, I think what Aaron Rodgers is playing that game as well as he's in his darkness retreat day Probably. two. Now, I think they are trying to say like in, if you're forcing a trade, well then you're hurting the new team you're going to. Right. But if you lay low and just say like, Oh, wishy-washy, wishy-washy, then the new team can offer a little less to get you, right? Because you, it makes it a little more uncertain. Well, if I'm the Jets and I want Aaron Rodgers, the Jets call the Packers. The Packers are asking for the earth, the moon, and the stars. The Jets are like, well, dude, this good guy could retire. Like, we don't know. And and the Packers are like, yeah, I guess we don't really know either. So, all right, ask for a little less. Uh, but anyways, back to Derek Carr. I think he should be – he's got to be the number one option right now Unless you're just that team that is fervently committed to we're going to get a rookie quarterback and start fresh, like it feels like like the Colts, like the Texans are in that way, um, then you got to be all in on Derek Carr. Uh, he's a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback who, especially in certain places, Washington, uh, Carolina, New Orleans, Tampa, like you instantly he could become the best quarterback in those certain those divisions and like. And maybe not in the NFC East because of Jalen Hurts, but uh, better than Dak and, and and automatically make you a real contender. So uh, excited to see what happens with the Derek Carr storyline. I expect him to get a deal done before the draft because I think, and you'll see it, teams want to commit, they're going to want to commit to that. And that'll also then start putting more pressure on teams trading up and making moves in the draft, depending on where sure. Derek goes. They're going to have to position themselves accordingly, depending on uh, yeah. how things shake out. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. It's going to be a fun offseason to discuss. But before we get to that point, we have one final game to recap for this season. And then it officially begins the offseason in the NFL and the offseason for the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan. So, Mark, the game. Super Bowl 57, Chiefs beat the Eagles with a field goal by Harrison Bucker with about eight seconds to go, 38-35 the final. Kansas City gets its second Super Bowl 
in Mahomes' short career. Uh, 2018, they won it. They lost it again in 2020, and now they are champs once again here in 2022. Philly put up a great fight, obviously. Back and forth, as we mentioned, offenses were fantastic. I had predicted we may get a splash play on special teams or defense. We got one from both. And uh, it ended up being Kansas City that delivered both of those. And I really think that that was the true game changer in this one. But overall, crazy, crazy good game. Both quarterbacks played extremely well. Jalen Hurts dominant, 300 yards passing, four total touchdowns for him. You could definitely tell that Philly's like got their guy. And uh, he didn't shrink in the big moment, which was something yeah. you weren't totally sure of, right? Because the competition they faced this postseason and all season, having the easiest schedule in the NFL, had a lot of people wondering, but lived up to it, played a great game. Obviously, you hate for it to come down to a, a call that everyone's going to talk about and make it about the refs. Um, but as I tweeted right during the game, and I, I'm going to stand by it forever, the Chiefs won this football game. They earned the victory. And uh, here they are uh, officially starting a dynasty, in my view. What what are your thoughts on this game uh, in general? And then uh, we can kind of uh, poke at a few things that uh, stood out for sure. But Yeah, I, my thoughts in general is it's an all-time great game. And it, it didn't go the way I thought it would go. I thought it would be an all-time great game because these teams would just be kind of bashing at each other. There'd be one or two big plays. But this was just full of... Uh, of, you know, huge conversions and big catches and what is a catch and what's not a catch. Um, you know, the late penalty, I will say um, Jalen Hurts deserves a ton of credit. I mean, it was one of the great performances in a loss in Super Bowl history. Um, you know, as a, if I was a Phillies fan, I can handle the fumble for a touchdown. It was so fluky. Him running the ball also kept you in that game, got you the lead in that game, but it was a huge turning point. People, you know, people want to point it like, oh, it was a game of two halves. You know, even though the Eagles dominated the first half, I think there are some, you could peel back the layers on that. You realize Kansas City was still more in that game than you thought. Remember, they had the doink field goal, which they, I thought Kansas City should have just gone for it anyways. They were moving the ball really well. Fourth and three. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. so. I think I think you know if they would have made that, it would have been fourteen ten, and then you get the fumble. Still, like you know, who knows? Um, so the Chiefs could have been up at that point. You know what I mean? We talk about how great Philly was in the first half. Well, if they go for the fourth and three, they get a touch on there. It's fourteen fourteen, and then he fumbles. Maybe still all of a sudden it's twenty one fourteen. Like so, the Chiefs were even though they didn't have the time of possession. They were very in that game. And I thought the Chiefs, they just planned better in the second half and made better adjustments to where it's like, how do we keep the ball? How, you know, they scored what? Like 30 points in like in like 20 minutes. It, in the, it was just, they were they couldn't be stopped. It was stopped. a master and class. Yeah. It was. And in Philly, it wasn't because it was just, oh, their players are better. It was bad scheming, open receivers, methodical, you know, the two touchdown plays that were identical plays a different, but just reversed and the different players, you know, um, it was a masterclass. It really was. It reminded me a little bit of the Belichick beating up on Sean McVay, but that game was ugly. And it was what 13 to three win for the Patriots over the Rams and that Super Bowl. But it just felt like, even though it's close, even though 
it could go either way. It just kept feeling like, man, there just is a coaching mismatch. But things started, I will say, after those first couple drives, I just kept saying, man, Philly's Philly's going to run the ball. They're going to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, and they need to keep doing it. They just didn't keep doing it. Um, drives kind of stalled in the second half, and um, as great as Jalen Hurts was on a couple big fourth-down runs, you know, he doesn't get enough credit for that touchdown run and the two-point conversion run. I mean, he was magnificent. But even then, even though he was magnificent, it still felt like Mahomes is just in another level. And in another zone and playing injured. I mean, he's such a tough SOB. Mahomes, um, it was a great all-time game. And for the call and the hold, listen, I, I I think if you're if you're an Eagles fan, you obviously that's a part of the reason of uh, of frustration because it that that killed your clock. You still had a chance. You got the ball back, right? Sure. It killed the clock for you and what you could do. Um, but I, I'll just say this, you know, you had the punt that led to the gigantic punt return. No question. Uh, that, I mean, that is, that, that was devastating in that second half. And all you needed again was one stop. Like you just needed to get like, that was the one time you got, you held them to a field goal in the second half. Like, could you have gotten a punt? Like no, no sacks, no nothing. I think, I think Philly fans are being, I think they'll 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 come down to earth and and it'll settle. The dust will settle a little bit more. Bradbury took responsibility for it and credit. It was to great him. for the whole team to t- like the, the you hear sound bites from Sirianni all I, the way I, I down. Every, no one making it. excuses for it. Yeah, and and I did like to see that for sure. But it, you know, to go off of that, uh, because I I agree with a lot of what you're saying there. Um, it's not just the fact that in my view, it was the right call. It was just a very questionable time to call it when you haven't been consistent necessarily, uh, all game. I do think it was a hold. It was, it was one of those where it's like, I think you could call it either way type of deal. But all of that aside, the Eagles benefited on those 50, 50 calls. Yeah. To my estimation, three times in that game, the Devontae Smith catch to me could have gone either way. The Goddard one, I think they got wrong. And yeah. I hate when they I hate when when we hear the announcers always talking and I get it, they they're limited in what they are seeing, but they always talk about the like are the feed in and stuff, but they're never thinking about are the feed in and what what is happening with the ball when that first foot in. Because yes, Goddard got two feet down, but the first foot. I thought he was still in the process of actually possessing the football. Second foot he had it, he was out. But nonetheless, obviously there was a third down play. That could have been a punt, and uh, they went on to score after that. And then finally the Miles Sanders yeah. catch fumble that turned into a touchdown. The, that that obviously there are, there are clear uh, you know repercussions to that if that goes the, the other way. So they were they were they benefited from a couple of those moments. And so I thought overall it was a pretty fair wash from a refereeing standpoint, but I understand if you isolate call by call, it can be frustrating. And it's tough that, that the game is such an Epic game. One of the all time greats, I would say for sure as well, uh, had to end in in that type of way. Uh, I still think, you know, the chiefs probably do win that game. I think they make the field goal regardless. And then it's about can Jalen hurts, the, they had been, you know, 
get yes, a they had a couple or... big plays, but can they get that far down the field that quickly? Um, you know, that that's kind of a toss up. So that was my perspective on it. Any fan base is going to be upset when there's a pivotal Definitely. play call that, you know, uh, reverses the course of a season, especially when it's in the Super Bowl. So I understand the uh, the outrage and frustration, but I do think that the, you got to look at it as a whole and go, well, we benefited in that game from some of the calls, too. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, to your point, I mean, the punt return, the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. Uh, at, at a, it's such a key moment. I mean, you can't you can't let that happen. That that was a very bad moment for sure. Even yeah. if you get him at the fifty, you have a chance. You get he gets down to the five. It, it's um, you, well, you know, and, you're, and, and again, you're why you put yourself in that spot. You got stopped. Like the Chiefs defense made a stop on a punt and forced you to punt. Exactly. You couldn't do that at all in the second half. Your defense couldn't do that at all. So touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Field goal. Four possessions. And, efficient. Yes, and you know, we go back to it is saying that it's like, well, you had a lead. And if you look at some of those plays in the first half, like I mentioned, there was, it easily could have been no Kansas city actually had the lead in the first half. So it, yes. um, I think overall, listen, I, 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 I loved it. It was awesome. It was great. I got to watch it in a very unique way as well. I thought it was a, a terrific game. And I think that to me, the key takeaways are for the Eagles Jalen Hurts is a stud. Jalen Hurts is a top 10 quarterback. Jalen Hurts is someone you can build around. Was, is he a 10-year quarterback? I don't know, but he's a five-year quarterback. For the next five years, I'd be very happy having Jalen Hurts in, in my uniform leading my he's team. He's a star. He's a leader of men and everything like that. He's great. Um, can Philly find a way? He, Howie Roseman's got a tough job now. You're going to have some probable, probable retirements. You lost two coordinators. Uh, big time coordinators. And so, it, you know, can, can the Eagles do what the Rams and McVay have done over the last five years? It's like lose a coordinator retool. Uh, you saw it with, uh, with uh, the Niners have lost coordinators and retooled and stayed close to, or not at, at the top of the mountain in the NFC. Can Philly do that? Now we get to see the challenge. That's the challenge for Philly ahead because they have great receivers. They're still gonna have a really solid offensive line. Even if Kelsey retires, they still have a, a, a ton of good pieces on defense and they have a star quarterback. Um, so for Philly and they have picks, you know, that's the crazy thing. Philly's got two first round picks. Remember they have the saints pick. So right. they have, they have, uh, uh, they, they, they have capital capital. That's the best word for it to go and enter and Philly. Can they become a destination uh, for some more free agents to be like, Hey, you want to win now? Um, so I wouldn't be all doom and gloom if I was Philly, but you certainly feel like you had this and it slipped away. And all you needed was one stop, like one big play from your defense. And it never happened. You know, they kept showing that graphic. Philadelphia uh, has a chance to pass the 84 and 85 bears, most sacks in a season. And they got no sacks in the whole game. Zero so sacks. It's just like, so it's just like they, you know, um, you know, is it maybe the announcers curse in that way, but they just did not come out play well and credit to a really good chiefs offensive line for showing up. Orlando Brown jr. Is a free agent. Love to see him in a bears uniform uh, this year. <laughs> he was, he played great in that, in that super bowl for the chiefs. Uh, but I think the chiefs also want to keep him protecting Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, and for the chiefs, listen, this was a weird, almost rebuild year for the chiefs. And remember, now the Chiefs have draft capital as well. 
they have Miami's picks for the for the next couple of years because of the Tyree Kill stuff. So this was a rebuild year for the Chiefs, and they won a Super Bowl. And they didn't have even Miko Hardman. Like they, uh, it, they're scary. I mean, Kelsey kind of admitted at the end of the game, like I don't know how many more I have left playing at this level. I think Kelsey's the type of guy that understands his role will have to slightly keep changing and evolving as his athleticism diminishes. Um, like Gronk's kept evolving and changing. Uh, but I think you got at least another year of Pete Kelsey. Uh, the Kansas City will always yeah. be a destination now because if you want to win, kind of like how New England was, like go to Kansas City uh, because they have the best quarterback, they have the best coach. And so um, they're going to retool. I, I fully expect Kansas City to be better next year. Like I, I, I expect them to use their draft capital sign a couple free agents, maybe retain Orlando Brown Jr. Um, they're not going anywhere. And so he's got to feel great if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. It's a, they are a, a dynasty for sure now. I, I would say I'd feel comfortable saying that uh, just be, because of the consistent trips to the AFC Championship game and now capping it off with two Super Bowl wins, one Super Bowl loss in there as well. An incredible, incredible showing from this team. And yeah, that, not many signs of them slowing up for sure. And like you said, they did this all with kind of a ragtag team of wide receivers. Uh, Kadarius Tony made some big plays. He's a high pedigree guy, but we didn't know what we were getting from him. Uh, you know, midway through the season, his tenure with New York didn't pan out. Yeah. Uh, he gets acquired, you know, middle of the year. So pretty impressive to see and only imagine what they could do with adding a you know top tier wide receiver in the first round you know draft in the next year or two or what they could do with that I will forward, say so. I do think Kansas City will look to try to get an explosive big play receiver I they, yeah. imagine if Patrick Mahomes had an AJ Brown like he's had a Tyree kill and now he, and he has the best tight end in football but imagine if he had a AJ like a big a DK Metcalf a big physical just high point the ball type of receiver. Um, if they add that element to the offense, I think that's the next evolutionary step for the Kansas city offense. Who knows? Maybe they go, maybe they don't go that way. Maybe they keep going the way they're going with just speed, undersized, precise route running. Um, but I think there's a lot of ways Kansas city could keep evolving. And um, uh, I mean, God, they're so good. They're just so good. They're, they're incredible. And, and I, and I will say it's easy. Like I can already tell you people, people will be maybe upset about it. They'll get bored of it, but it was like that, you know, that stretch for five years where the Cavs kept playing the golden state warriors in the finals. It's like, well, you're stupid. If you don't pick the Cavs and the warriors, I don't know about Philly uh, because I think the NFC there's, I think the Rams will be better next year. We have to see how the Niners address some of their stuff and, you know, Philly with new coordinators, but, and the AFC is the better conference, but it just feels like uh, how can you not just pick? Well, yeah, the Mahomes and the Chiefs, like they are, they, they're not going anywhere. And they are, and I know that's not breaking news to say, but uh, it, it, they are incredibly fun to watch. I heard Hello? something funny, I, oh, and yeah. I want to just your thoughts on this is, is you know, kind of wrap up. Someone saying, Congrats, Chiefs. This is the last time anyone's really going to be rooting for you because from now, now they are. Oh yeah, that's now they, they are, are like the target. they're going to become the Patriots. Like God, God, geez, my God, like yep, they're already public enemy number one in Cincinnati, in Baltimore, in Buffalo. 
uh, in, you know, Miami, in Denver, in LA, like they are already public enemy number one in the AFC. And in the NFC, they're going to quickly become two, just like, are they going to let any of us win anything? You know, the Niners fans, the Philly fans. Uh, so it's uh, enjoy it. Cause you're going to start. Yep. It, it's hard to stay lovable for this long. And Andy Reid might be able to figure out a way to do it with his cheeseburgers and his new balance and his po- and his Hawaiian shirts. But uh, yeah, it's uh, we'll, we'll see that that's going to be a fun storyline to see develop over the next couple of years. If I may uh, go on, on on the soapbox uh, for a moment here, because I do, I don't want us to lose sight of kind of what we're witnessing and the moment we're at here. So obviously the conversation has shifted a lot on the national media stage of Mahomes being the greatest talent we've ever seen at quarterback. And I think I probably largely do agree, but I don't really want to make a a broad declaration at this time, I will say, I mean, obviously, like his talent and, and skill yeah. set is unbelievable. But what I will say is what we're witnessing in terms of what he's done early is from my all my accounts, uh, unprecedented. Yeah. As a as as someone who considers himself an amateur NFL historian, uh, you know, fan and, and someone who studied the game a lot, I went back and tried to find comparable starts to a career and I'm not even going to factor the five consecutive trips to the AFC championship game uh, into this necessarily. Um, But what Mahomes has done by age 27 being to three Super Bowls, winning two of them and in the fashion he has, I can't find anyone that comes remotely really all that close because here's the thing. Brady won three early. Brady was was not doing it as a all time MVP caliber player. He was extremely efficient. He was smart. You knew you had a really good quarterback on your hands. Yeah, uh, but but they had deep a great defense and Corey Dillon. You know, like they that is what it was like a Steelers seventies dynasty. Yeah, Absolutely. they were like a Steelers seventies dynasty. So you look at you know Alway got there once early but didn't win. Marino got there early and didn't win, but they were dominant early. So they, you know, you could say they're similar comps, but they didn't win the big game. And then you go to the Bradshaws who won four, won two really early, relatively early in his career. But in his, in the postseason, by the age of 28, uh, Bradshaw threw 10 touchdowns to 12 interceptions in the postseason. Uh, Montana, you say, well, Okay, he he had a couple Super Bowls early on there as well. He won two of them by the age of 28. So that's the closest comp you can say. Now, he was pretty efficient in the playoffs, 17 touchdowns, 11 picks. But neither him or Bradshaw had a first-team All-Pro yet, certainly not an MVP. Mahomes has 35 touchdowns, yeah. seven picks in the playoffs in his career by the age of 27 with two first-team All-Pros and two MVPs. It's unbelievable. Like we're not, he he's the reason they're winning these games. And it's, yeah. it's remarkable what we're seeing to me, the stats, like the touchdown interception thing is not like I try not to factor that in. Cause it was such a different NFL. Sure. But, but when you look at the stark the contrast of the ratio, the MVPs yeah. like Tom, like, yeah, they were handing out MVPs and Bradshaw wasn't winning them. They were handing out MVPs and Montana wasn't winning them. 
Um, and and you're right. I think that that plays it just puts it a little bit more into that bookend of historical context as well. And you know what? Let's be honest. Like we always say, two is just different. When you get number two, you're getting into that rarefied air. And the other guys that have two uh, or more, he's already blown by just as far as I we, we could see with our eyes and MVP's talent. Like he's better than Roethlisberger. He's better than right. Man- Eli Manning, even though they both had two. Uh, he's, he's, a you know, he, the multiple Super Bowl guys like a Bradshaw, we just know that he's more talented Aikman. Yeah, we Aikman. know he's more talented. Um, so yeah, you start to get into that. All right. Well then who's, who is he with? Well, then it's like, okay, Montana, Peyton, Tom, and his game is just so different than all of them. It'll be really great to see the rest of his career and how it goes. I, I'll just say, um, it is a uh, it, it's enjoyable to watch. He's a, he's just so much fun to watch, and I'm glad that he had a really clean, gutsy, great performance. Because in the first Super Bowl, he had a couple picks, and he deserved to be the MVP because he brought them back on that comeback late and was magnificent in the fourth quarter. Uh, and in the Super Bowl, they lost to the Bucks. It wasn't his fault, but he had to be Superman, and he couldn't. I mean, he got so overwhelmed with how bad his offensive line was. So for his offensive line to have a great game to protect him, to let him just be efficient, three touchdowns, pick up big runs, scrambling, and look calm, cool, and comfortable the whole game, I think he deserved that a little bit. Uh, and he was magnificent when they needed him to be magnificent late, too. Yeah, he's, um, you know, shines in the biggest moment, it appears, and guy's tough as nails, too. I mean, obviously, he's he battled again through uh, through what appeared to be an ankle tweak uh, early in that game and, and comes back and, uh, you know, leads his team. So, uh, yeah, a great game. One for the ages chiefs getting their second, uh, Eagles very well could be there again. We'll see if they end up hailing, uh, Jalen hurts, uh, giving him the full bag, or if he takes a more team friendly deal so that they can keep competing and, and keeping some of these superstars on the team, but a great matchup, both teams. I, I know we both agree deserve to be there in this one for the big game. And, uh, and yeah, so it was awesome stuff. Uh, historic Super Bowl ad that, uh, Mark Hespin was a part of <laughs> what a cool, what a cool Super Bowl 57 all around pretty excited, uh, that we got to, uh, witness that whole thing and uh, a great event all around for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, uh, next year in Vegas, uh, the countdown begins, you know, That's Hey, right. we're going to take maybe a little time here over the next couple of weeks and, and get our stuff, figure out what our off season plan is. We got exciting interview coming on up and, and we're going to di- start diving right into the draft, free agency. The NFL season never sleeps. It's year-round, and so are we here on the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan. So stay tuned for that. We got some guests, as Mark mentioned, and, and plenty coming on up here in the next month or two as we get uh, into this offseason, the draft. And uh, before we know it, it'll be training camp, getting ready for the 2023 NFL so. season. We appreciate you all for uh, being on this uh, journey and ride with us thus far. Uh, if you just started tuning in this season, uh, we're glad to have you here. We're excited for the year ahead. And uh, yeah, the content never stops. We'll be here uh, all throughout the off season in the summer. So stay tuned for all of that good stuff. But for now, signing off, it's Mark and Dan on the Football Lounge.